take your seats. Hey, it's uh, my great pleasure to be speaking to you this morning, uh, this afternoon, actually, I think it is now, and uh, just to also add my uh, particular welcome for those of you who might be new to our church family. You are so welcome here, and uh, I hope this morning blesses your socks off. And uh, for those of you who weren't around last week, you won't know, but PJ started our new series, which is a series looking through the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, uh, entitled Exiles and Ambassadors. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at this amazing man of God who was a young man who was plucked somewhat out of obscurity in order to go and be a slave in a foreign land. And uh, what we see through Daniel is this guy who has this incredible grit and this incredible determination who was a blessing both to his captors at the same time remaining true to his God amid some extraordinary pressures. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have this inbuilt desire to see God's kingdom come and to see other people experience something of his love. I genuinely believe that anyone who has been touched by the Holy Spirit just has that inside of them. It's kind of like, this is so good, I want to see other people encounter it as well. You know, it was just a few weeks ago when I bumped into a guy in town who I'd met for the first time a few years back. And um, the reason I'd met him is because we were doing some uh, healing ministry in town. It was called HOTS. We stood next to a bunch of chairs looking for people who might need healing. And uh, he walked along alongside his girlfriend at the time, who had this terrible limp as she was walking. And so we kind of stopped her and said, hey, look, it looks obvious that you've got a problem. What's going on? Now, she had a problem with her knee, okay? And the deal was that the following day, she was going to be going in for surgery. And they were going to remove the kneecap, do a whole bunch of work inside of there, put that thing back on. And so we said, hey, look, why don't you take a seat for a minute? Let us pray for you. So we sat down and we kind of prayed our best prayers. And after just a moment, she started swearing, and she was like, I'm not effing kidding. This is effing better. And what I've realized is that when you're ministering to people who aren't normally part of the church, that's actually their kind of worship, all right? So <laughs> the, the, air, the air is turning blue somewhat, but she's like, no, it's, it, it effing feels better. Now, the boyfriend, very skeptical, and he is looking on being like, no, you're joking, you're making it up. And she's like, no, I'm not. And she's swinging it around, she's walking off. She walks off pain-free, which is amazing. But we said to the guy... He, we said, hey, look, uh, is there anything that you would like prayer for? He was like, no, 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 I'm not into any of this stuff. So what I said to him was, look, how about, me and a friend of mine, how about we just ask God if he wants to say anything specifically to you? So he seemed open to this. And so we had a moment. Now, if I'm really honest with you, I can't remember what we said in that context. I can't remember. What I do remember is there was a point as we were chatting that he stepped back and he said, now, how do you know that and what else do you know? Now, that for a sign for me, so I wrote that down thinking, man, that, that's good news. And, uh, you know, obviously it means that God's speaking to him in some way. Anyway, flash forward a little while, and I meet him in a completely different part of town. And in that situation, I was like cautiously approached him. Hey, how you doing? I think we've met before in town. Prayed for your girlfriend. And she was like, oh, we're not together anymore. Her knee was healed, which is incredible. But what was more incredible about that conversation was uh, I said to him, hey, do you remember that, that I spoke to you as well? He was like, yeah, I remember. And so he asked me, do I remember what, what I said? I couldn't remember. But he said to me, well, a part of that conversation, you said that you're going to be knocked down, but you're going to get back up again. I was like, I don't know. Did I say that? Did that make any sense to you? And he said, well, it did, it did make a little bit of sense because uh, a, a week or so later, I got hit by the X5 bus. <laughs> he said... 
He said it was, it was quite miraculous because I, I, I got hit head on by this bus, stumbled into the road, but got back up again immediately absolutely fine. Now, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, and, and even when I saw him again in the summer, I'm like, hey, do you remember me? He's like, yeah, you're that guy. And I said, said to him, hey, would you like me to prophesy over you again? He was like, yeah, no, I know what happened the last time. You don't have to do that. <laughs> Listen, there is an inbuilt desire for us to be his ambassadors, to share his love, to bring his kingdom. And Daniel, through his life and what we're going to look at over these coming weeks, is going to show us how we can do that, okay? And so if you'd like to, flick in your Bible to Daniel chapter 2. And I just want to set the scene a little bit for you as to where Daniel chapter 2 starts, and then we'll pick up the story in verse 14. Because in the first instance, we come across a bit of a crazy king, okay? His name's Nebuchadnezzar, and um, he's a very violent guy. And uh, what we see is that he has just had a dream, a dream which is now tormenting him and stopping him from sleeping. And so what he does is he gathers all of the kind of wisest people in the kingdom he knows. He gathers uh, people like the magicians, the sorcerers, the enchanters, and he says to them, you need to tell me what it was I dreamt and what the interpretation is. Now, they all freak out and basically say, we can't tell you what you dreamt. You tell us that bit, and then we'll tell you the interpretation. But he's insistent. He says in verse 5, this is what I have decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut to pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Fair to say he's got some anger management issues, okay? Now, I thought this was, um, this was interesting until it was only recently when I saw my son. He was eating a, a bowl full of I'm going to stop putting my hand in my pocket. Um, it's fine, I think it's just my hand. Um, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was eating, my son was eating a bowl of popcorn. Now, he's three years old. My daughter is two. And uh, Lexi, my daughter, leant in and grabbed one of the pieces of popcorn. And uh, James slowly turned to her and said, if you do that again, I'm going to cut your arm off. <laughs> now, I think, I think he was just joking. I don't think he would have actually chopped her arm off. And he probably just takes more after my wife, who, who is a little bit like Joey Trebbiani and doesn't share food. Now, now, this guy, though, Nebuchadnezzar, has this huge overreaction, okay? And um, he sends his captain, a guy called Arioch, into the land to start killing all the wise people until it's the case that somebody steps up to be able to tell him his dream and tell him what the interpretation is. This is where we pick up the story, okay? Chapter 2, verse 14. Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon. Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. And then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. And then he continues to just love for a couple of verses there, just uh, tell God how great and how amazing he is. Before verse 24 then says this, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret 
his dream for him. Wow. And Daniel is in this crazy, difficult situation, amazingly hard, and yet he, with wisdom and tact, chooses to be part of a solution. Now, I don't know whether you ever think about this, but honestly, sometimes life is tough. It's just tough. It just is difficult. And I'm not just talking about little things, like the fact that Honey G somehow is still in the X Factor competition. But Daniel's in this horrendous situation, but he makes a decision. When the chips are down, he makes a decision to run to God and run to community. He runs to his friends to find a solution and runs straight into the arms of God for an answer. Now, when I became a Christian, I realized um, that an awful lot had changed about my life. I was in my mid-twenties, and um, I had this peace and this purpose and this hope that I never knew before. But life actually didn't suddenly become perfect. And actually, some people, when they come to faith, think that, you know, life now as a Christian should be like a cruise ship, right? A little bit like this picture up here. And I want to sit on the deck. I want to be in my armchair. I want to enjoy the uh, pina colada, and I'm just going to sit back. But what happens is that if a bomb goes off in the water when you're lounging on your uh, cruise ship, you're suddenly freaking out. What on earth is a bomb? You charge up to the captain's office. You're banging on the door. You know, why is this happening? But actually, the Christian walk is far more like a battleship, okay? Because when you're on a battleship and a bomb goes off, you don't go up and bang and start arguing with the captain. Instead, you're just grateful that you had a pina colada in the first place. Am I right? What we need to do often when these difficult situations arrive is realize that we are in a war. We are in a war. Jesus himself said in John 16:33. I think Simon even referenced it earlier on, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's another passage in Romans 8, and it says this. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now that, for clarity, doesn't mean that everything that ever happens to you is good. Actually, sometimes things are rough, and they're hard, and they need us to grit our teeth and get through things. But actually, God can use all things for good. You know, whatever is going on in your life right now, and I don't know your specific situation, but I want to plead with you, run to God and run to community because the danger is that we'll slide away and we'll disengage from those things. And I'll remember one of the toughest weeks in my life. I was um, 25 by this point. I've been a Christian for nine months. And... Um, it was in the September where I had a real tough time where, first of all, my, my girlfriend who had been very instrumental in me coming to faith at that point, a lady called Hannah, um, her and I split up and um, it had been bubbling for a while, but we had a real tough week. Then I was working alongside my dad at the time and since I'd become a Christian, our relationship had really deteriorated. And um, one of the guys that we employed, we had two technicians who worked for us, one of the guys kind of walked out very abruptly and then it was a Friday morning, I think, when I got a phone call from my mum this same week, and um, she said, hey, Steve, there's, there's been an accident, and um, your, your stepbrother has been, has been killed, and um, he was uh, a month short of his 21st birthday, and he'd been in a, in a, in a kind of car wreck on a, on a single road in, um, in Nottinghamshire, and you know, there are times, you're like, where do we go in the midst of these things? Where do we go? And for me, I was so grateful for the fact that actually I'd 
I come to a place where like, the only place I can go is go to God, to find comfort in him, to find support in the community that I'd found here in this church and the people who now were praying for me, loving me, supporting me, even through such a horrendous time. And you know, one of the things that obviously you question in the midst of that is, well, what about Chris? He's 20 years of age. To my knowledge, he didn't know Jesus. But I guess I was reassured by just the scriptures, which actually say that God's desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I can trust and rely on the fact that God loved him far more than I ever did or anyone else ever did because he knit him together in his mother's womb. And that even if at that last moment, just as he did with thieves who were um, you know, hung either side of Jesus on that moment at Calvary, actually even then he knows Chris's heart. So I rest in the fact that will not the righteous judge do right? But actually our place of comfort and our place of strength comes in God. I don't know what your situation is this morning, but I know that there are people in this room who are going through tough situations with their kids going off the rails, whose marriages are in a bit of a shambles, who's um, living with kind of bad news the doctor has given, who maybe is kind of thinking, hey, work right now, it's just not working. You know, whatever those things, let me plead with you, don't run away, engage with God. Engage with community. Someone this morning had a prophetic word about the fact that they were kind of walking in uh, and just seeing the amazing leaves that were kind of detailed on the ground, these kind of dead leaves that have all fallen in the autumn trees. And they felt like God whispered to them and said, no, 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 look up. Look to him first. Look to the fresh, the life. And actually it's there where things will be made right. And you know, it's a decision to pursue his presence. And it's a decision to do this. I so want it to be the case that just like in Acts 4, People think of me, just like they did of the disciples, that they saw that they were ordinary, unschooled men who had been with Jesus. I want to be that guy. Ordinary, unschooled, but I've been with Jesus. And that's what separates us from everything else. But it's a fight. We've been talking these last few weeks about the fact that actually we want to pursue God's presence and him in prayer. But, you know, I've realized that if we're going to pursue that, we need to make some really tough decisions and realize that there are distractions that come in all over the place. I've been in that battle this week and had to make some tough decisions about the things that I get distracted by, and they'll be different from you. But actually, all of us want to prioritize him above anything else. I think it's a little bit like runners, right? They say that if you're going to go for a run, the hardest thing to do is to put your trainers on, okay? Sometimes I think when it comes to time with God, the hardest thing to do is actually put your phone away, just get that time before him, open your Bible and say, God, I'm here. But actually, it's those decisions that we need to make. And actually, that's where we're going to find the life. Pete Gregg, who was the pioneer behind 24-7 prayer in this country and is now all over the world, said this. He said, if our mission to this culture is to be more than a marketing campaign, if our acts of Christian mercy are to be anything more than well-meaning social work, if our churches are to be something other than religious clubs, if our voice is to ring out with authority of prophetic dissonance in our culture, if miracles are to multiply, and if the gospel is to be preached with signs following, if the kingdom of God is truly meant to be not a matter of talk but of power, and if our faith is to be real, deepening, conversational relationship with the living God, we must discover how to pray. That's our call right now, guys. We've got to discover how to pray, how to pursue him. Where do you run to? 
The second thing we see in this passage, if you think about Daniel's response, okay? He hears that people's lives are in danger, and he did what? He'd go and hid? Did he um, hide away? Did he ignore it? What's interesting for me is that he didn't, even, he didn't even go to God and say, how must I respond, or what is the interpretation? His first response is to say, hey, I'll do something about this. I'm going to make an appointment with the king. Right? This is before he's got the interpretation. So it's almost like it's the wrong way around in our thinking. Now, you might think this kid is bonkers. This uh, kind of king here is saying, I'm going to pull you limb from limb. I'm going to slice you up. And yet he shows compassion because he realizes that there are people who are getting caught up in this violent monster's acts. He responds with both compassion and this incredible, courageous faith. The question is, is that our normal response? Because as believers, I think it should be. Are we going to be compassionate? And are we going to be people who show faithful courage to God? I think it works a little bit like this, okay? I don't think there's any shortcut to showing 10, minutes, 10 seconds excuse me, of courage. 10 seconds of courage. Sometimes that's the point. That's the, almost the, the head above the pulpit moment. And many of you might have heard, because we've shared about it a couple of weeks ago, that we went to a, a conference over the summer, some of us as leaders. It was up in Harrogate, and we heard amazing preachers share about amazing things. One particular lady was a lady called Heidi Baker, and uh, she works in Mozambique. She's established churches, and she's seeing remarkable miracles as God's kingdom is breaking out. In the midst of that, she's seeing a whole lot of people's blind eyes open. And we were like, wow, this lady loves Jesus. She's seeing remarkable things for him. And uh, one particular afternoon after we'd heard her, I went for a run, simply to uh, kind of burn off the Greg's bakes that I'd been eating, and uh, I'm kind of going for a little bit of a jog, and I see a lady who's very obviously blind. She has a stick, and she has a carer holding her arm, and if I'm honest with you, I kind of see her at a distance, and then kind of it starts to ring in my ears a little bit about what I've just been hearing Heidi Baker share, but I kind of run past her thinking, that this probably isn't for now, but it kind of kept living with me. Do you ever have that? when kind of the Holy Spirit's just on something for you and it's just stirring in your stomach. So I kept thinking about her, and then as I did this big loop, maybe about a quarter, maybe half a mile from where I originally saw her, ran past her again. I'm like, oh, man. There's obviously something about her, okay? But as I'm running toward her, I'm thinking, I just can't do this. I'm scared. Like, how would I even start the conversation? Like, blind lady, sweaty guy, it's just not going to work. So I ran straight past her. I completely ignored the situation. And um, as, as soon as I had, I was like, God, I think I've totally missed it. And uh, I said to God, I was like, God, if I, if, I just get, if I get one more chance of seeing it, if I do see her again, I will. I will. I'll, I'll go and I'll approach her and I'll offer to pray for her. Anyway, so I get back to the hotel. I reckon at least another half a mile away from where I was. I go up, I get showered, and um, walk downstairs. Who is walking exactly outside of our hotel room? But this lady, she's still with a stick, she's still with a carer. And so what I decide to do is I, I just kind of wander up to her and say, hey, I'm really sorry to disrupt you. I just need to apologize to you. I said, look, I, I've seen you three times now, and each time I've got this nudge that I would really love to just bless you for a moment. Is it okay if we just chat and, you know, could I pray for you? And um, she was so open, she was so gentle, and I had the opportunity of just ministering to her for a minute. And I said to her, hey, look, can I, can I pray for your eyes? Can I pray that they would be healed? And she, when she looks at me, her eyes are completely white. Um, you know, I can't, I can't sort of see anything other than the kind of pupils being, being white. And um, so 
I've just heard all these stories. I'm like, man, God, you've set this up a third time. And so I put my hand on her shoulder, pray my best prayer. And at one point then she tilts her head up to look right at me. And she said, it's not working, is it? <laughs> and, um, you know, <laughs> the thing is, even though she wasn't healed, okay, I know that she was blessed by that conversation. I know she was, because she said to me, I'm so glad that you stopped me. I'm so glad that we had the chance to chat. I'm so glad by the fact that, you know, I got to tell her about the kind of churches and all that stuff. And here's the thing for me that God spoke to me about, you see. I want to see blind eyes open, okay? But I'm not going to do that unless I pray for some blind people, all right? And so I, I need to show that 10 seconds of courage. I need to demonstrate with my actions what I believe to be the case, what is it for you this week? Where's your 10 seconds of courage moment? Because for some people, and it'll be different for all of us, for some people it'll be simply be when someone says, hey, what did you do this weekend? It'll be getting church into that conversation. For some people, they will have maybe a really tough boss who's like, I've had this dream and I'm going to chop everyone limb from limb unless you tell me the interpretation. Well, you know, maybe there will be a chance to interpret a dream and to talk about spiritual things. What puts legs on your faith as a supernatural man or woman of God. And you know, this com uh, the combination of compassion and courage, guys, it is absolutely transformational. I was so provoked just this last week. Um, I went out on the streets with a lady for the very first time, and uh, she was just out. We, we, numbers of us will just go into town, bless people, love people, look for opportunities to demonstrate who Jesus is. And this lady came out, very first time she had. And uh, we had a number of opportunities and encounters through that couple of hours. And at the end of that time, though, uh, when we gathered together to sh share stories, she wasn't there. So I was like, hey, you know, where, where, where is she? And uh, I was told she was, she was actually buying some shoes for someone. And uh, I was like, okay, great. And so what had happened was that I, I was thinking, right, I'll go and join her. I'll introduce myself to the person that she's with. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, she's in Primark or something. But she was in Next. And she's in Next buying these incredibly, um, I guess, nice, expensive boots for a guy whose actually feet and shoes were just crumbling. And she got to love him, demonstrate compassion, demonstrate courage. Do you know, that in and of itself would be powerful. But I'm so excited to say that he, he, even, he came to church last week, recommitted his life to Jesus, and he was here this morning worshiping with us. Like, it's why we're here. And it's the compassion and the courage of people which is transformational. Here's what I know, okay? Your workplace needs you. Your school needs you. Your street, your neighbors, they need you. They need your prayers, your encouragement, your support. They need the very presence of God and the peace that you bring. We have the opportunity of doing that. Let's get back to our verses in Daniel, okay? Now, what happens is that now that he's got this revelation from God and he's got this appointment with the king, he gets back up in front of Nebuchadnezzar. And he steps into the king's chambers in front of what is a very scary guy, okay? And he begins to share of this dream that he'd had, a statue made of five different metals. And he begins to bring an interpretation about the new kingdoms that are going to come one after the other. Speaking then of this all-consuming, powerful kingdom, God's kingdom, which will overtake all of them. The everlasting kingdom. And with incredible humility and gentleness and respect, and yet always pointing to God who gave the interpretation and gave him the dream, he's able to share what God's put on his heart. 
And this is amazing. This kind of butch, hard king then responds like this. Verse 46, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely God is the God of gods. Your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. That's a brilliant line, by the way. I'd love for someone to come up to me every day and say that. Surely your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. And then it says the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him, He was made ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. There was promotion that followed. Now, this is an amazing response from the king. But what I'm so inspired by is Daniel's insistence to give supernatural answers to these questions. He didn't for a moment deny anything of God. And you know, there is power in the prophetic there is power as we hear and respond to God's voice. I mean, Scripture says in 1 Corinthians that actually you will, you will have unbelievers come into your midst. They will hear the voice of God prophetically, and they will fall down on their faces and say, surely God is amongst you. I want that to be the case. And there are times and opportunities now we'll see in our environments now where we need wisdom and we need revelation. Well, actually, it's in James where it says, actually, God wants to pour out wisdom, and he will give it to everyone freely without finding fault. There'll be people here who want to get before him and ask for that wisdom now. But the prophetic is so key. I've realized it just opens up so much for me. And, uh, you know, it was only in the summer when I went on a camping trip. I just had 24 hours away. I was on my own. It was a bit of a prayer time retreat for me. And I've been chatting to God and saying, God, you've told me that I'm going to prophesy and bring words of knowledge in public places. I want to do that. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to follow you, and I want to be obedient to your voice. This time is yours. You know, whatever it is, I'll I'll respond. And uh, I I remember pitching my tent and then going to see the attendant who was looking after the site. And uh, I felt like God said to me, hey, he's got a a problem with his ankles. And so I, I, I sort of said, gently went up to him and I said, hey dude, how you doing? Uh, j- just checking. You know, I felt like God might have said that you've got problems with your ankles right now. Are you in any pain? He's like, no. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of steps back, thinks I'm very weird. And, and I'm, I'm like, dude, so sorry. Just thought I'd step out. Just thought I'd you know, give, give it a go. If it didn't make any sense, totally fine. I walk off back to my tent and honestly, I'm in a bit of a rant. I'm like, God, I just said to you, you've promised that I'm going to flow in these things. You've said that I'm going to speak words of knowledge and they're going to help people. When's that going to be? Anyway, I walk back out of the tent, back down to where the car is. And he, he walks up to me again. And he says, do you think God could have meant my calves? I was like, yes, I'll take it. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, look, may, maybe I misheard. You know, I got, I got the leg area. It was the calves. Okay. And so, and so I was like, dude, can, is it possible? Can I just pray for your calves? And uh, so I, I, I prayed for him, and it, and it transpires that he was a marathon runner, okay? And he was training for another marathon that was going to be going on in Cardiff. And uh, he, said to me, he said to me that he hasn't been able to run without pain. But the following day, I went back to him and just made a point of being like, hey, how you doing? You know, it's been nice being here. How are the calves? And he said to me that for the first time in months, he'd been out for a run and was totally pain-free from that period. Isn't that amazing? God, God wants to move through us supernaturally. But you know, the most important thing, actually the first thing, is that we just need to be available. We just need to be available. 
on Wednesday, I was sat, we'd gone, gone down to Prime Marina, gone for a bit of a prayer walk, and then was sat on a table in the beef eater, notes out, Bible out, laptop out, thinking, what am I going to say today? And um, there was a guy who, who kind of went and bought himself a glass of wine as I was there. And uh, he kind of just gave me a little bit of a nod. That, and, uh, you know, I was like, hey. And he's like, hey. And I was like, how are things with you? And uh, he said, well, well actually, things aren't, aren't great just now. Now, that is the point. That is the point where we have the opportunity. Are we going to engage with conversation or are we going to withdraw? And so I, I just said to him, oh, hey, I'm so sorry to hear that. What's going on? And he, he grabbed his glass of wine and came and sat with me pushed the bits to one side, and he begins, begins telling me his story and how, actually, for a number of years now, he's been suffering, having been a former military guy and police officer, he's been suffering with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, partway through it, I'm like, hey, God, I'd love for you to minister with this guy, but it, it feels awkward. What do I do? And I remembered a question which one of the doctors in this church often asks his patients. I thought, it's a brilliant question. And so he, in a professional environment, for me, sat in a pub, I simply asked him, hey, do you have a faith that helps you with that? It's a great question, worth writing down. Do you have a faith that helps you with that? And he actually said, well, no. I mean, what, I think I'm a Christian. You know, what, what does it mean to you? So I was able to tell him a bit of my journey and how, you know, in my mid-20s, I started exploring Christianity and I came into a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, he, he, he and I had this great conversation. We talked about peace. We talked about hope. We talked about kind of the stuff that really matters to us. And at the end of that time, he was like, hey, I've got to go now. But have you got anything that you can give me that I could take away and read? I'm like, like scrabbling through my bag. I found a tract. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, there was this thing which, which talks a little bit about, about Jesus and lets him kind of read some scriptures. And he kind of took away with it being like, I'm going to read this. Anybody can do this stuff. We're called to do this stuff. We're called to be available. Hey, incidentally, at the table at the back there, not only are there kind of the Halloween flyers that you can take, but there's also a whole bunch of just kind of little information booklets called The Message of Jesus. If you want to have some in your pocket, in your bag, for any conversations that come up, go and grab some. You know, D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist, said this. He said, if this world is going to be reached, I'm convinced that it must be done by men and women of average talent. That's a remarkable encouragement for us. We don't have to be the most talented people. We need to respond just as Daniel did, rooted in God, compassionate and courageous, and a supernatural people who are bringing God's kingdom.